Hey, welcome to the Catholic Sportsman Show podcast. Another great show tonight uh, coming to you from Southern California and the Archdiocese of Orange. I have my friends Paul and Randy, our co-hosts, and we have another great show tonight. I just want to thank everyone for uh, listening and watching. And uh, if you're going to see this one on YouTube, hopefully YouTube TV. But in addition, remember, uh, we are available on iTunes and the iTunes Apple uh, podcast app. We're on Google podcasts. We are uh, soon to be on Stitcher and we are also on Spotify.com. So like us on any of those websites and please give us a review, gentlemen. Okay, uh, once again, the Catholic Sportsman Show, we like to say is the place for us where our love of our sports meets with our love of our faith, all for the goodness of God. Okay. All right, guys, Paul, would you, uh, Paul Michelini, would you like to kind of uh, give us a quick little uh, opening prayer and also introduce our guest? Absolutely. So in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Mm-hmm. Dear Lord, we ask you to uh, send the Holy Spirit upon us tonight, and um, we're so grateful for our guest tonight, Chad Cheremy, to come and talk to us about his life and his involvement in sports. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just thank you for the gift of our faith and ask you to continue to bless us on our Lenten journey uh, to grow closer to you. And we ask all of this um, for Our Lady's intercession. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Holy Mary, Mary Mother, Mother, of, Mother God. of God, pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners. now, now and at the hour of death. Our death. death. Amen. Amen. Saint Sebastian, patron saint of athletes, pray, pray, for, pray us. for us. Blessed Carlo Cutis, the technical blessed of the Catholic Sportsman Show, pray, pray for, for us. us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 All right. So we are really excited tonight. We have Chad Cheremy here with us. He is a uh, seminarian, and uh, he played uh, football at Nichols State, and uh, he is currently at St. Joseph Abbey and Seminary College in St. Benedict, Louisiana. And so... uh, Chad was uh, the subject of an article in a National Catholic Register article by Trent Beatty, and that's how we all got introduced. So we are super excited you're here, Chad. <laughs> Welcome. Yeah, thank you all for having me. All right. Well, you know, we just, we like to open up the top of the show, just kind of open up to you. Just tell us how, you know, your background in your life and <clears throat> just kind of introduce yourself to all the listeners. Uh, yeah. So yeah, my name is Chad Cheremy. Uh, it's everybody like people who not that don't come from Louisiana like can never pronounce the name right. <laughs> so, and we're not from. <laughs> yeah, obviously a little, a little further down the road, but uh, yeah, like uh, my name's Chad Cheremy. I grew, was born and raised, grew up my entire life in South Louisiana, uh, in a little town called Golden Meadow. Um, it's about two, two hours, two hours, 15 minutes away from the seminary where I'm discerning uh, the priesthood. 
Uh, but yeah, I was born and raised there, grew up there, went to high school there. Uh, wasn't, I, we grew up in the faith. I'm a cradle Catholic, uh, but there was areas in my life and times in my life where I did fall away from the faith. Um, but I did grow up Catholic. My entire family is Catholic, um, especially my grandparents. They are the only practicing Catholics uh, left in the family other than me. Um, and yeah, uh, I played football my entire life. Um, and, you know, that always seemed to be an identity that I gave myself and that everyone around me had given to me. Uh, so growing up, uh, playing sports, uh, like I said, football, baseball, basketball, track, all these sports, um, you know, took me away from practicing the faith when I was younger. Uh, we used to be a very devout Catholic family. We'd go to church on Sundays. Uh, and sports started to take me away from that. Uh, sports called me away from my home parish every weekend to play like in sulfur or, you know, just different different areas around South Louisiana. Uh, and it, it would be hard to attend masses on Sundays. Uh, and then as well, it would be hard to attend my uh, CCD classes uh, for, to make my, my confirmation. Uh, so I fell, fell behind in the journey of my faith, the growth in my faith through CCD and, and catechetics. But, uh, you know, at a young age, I think around 10 or 11 years old, my parents gave me an option, uh, more or less, to continue in religion classes and CCD, or, and I'd have to give up sports and have to stop playing sports. But she also said, you could just, you know, not finish religion. Like, we can just take you out, and you can still play sports. Uh, and so at a young age, I, I was, yeah, okay, sports. Sports all the way. <laughs> Fun. I was hanging out with my friends. Um, you know, didn't have this mean old lady screaming at us to love God or all those things. Uh, so yeah, I chose sports and, you know, more and more my identity became an athlete instead of a beloved son of God. Uh, so in many ways that affected my life just because that slowly helped us fall away from the church and it, it broke us away, uh, to where we were Christmas and Easter Catholics at most, uh, Sometimes we'd even go to Christmas mass. I remember a couple of times we didn't go to Christmas mass, but, um, but yeah, that athlete lifestyle, that athlete identity uh, followed me all the way until my senior year of high school. Um, and living that athlete lifestyle, I lived out the jock lifestyle as well. And I fell into uh, many sins of drunkenness. Uh, alcohol was a big thing uh, since like, beginning of my high school uh like as soon as i got to high school alcohol became a big part of my life uh smoking became a very big part of my life uh and then impure relationships that was the big one and that's uh, you know the one that i, I you know I still kind of see the effects of it today uh in my discernment uh, so yeah the, all these things you know just culminated and you know, just drew me further and further away from the grace of God and drew me further and further away from the church and her, and her mercy. Um, but I had a pretty radical uh, conversion and, and a big conversion, conversion experience. Uh, I remember 
I was in a very impure relationship. It was a relationship based off of um, lust instead of love. Um, and I was dealing with a lot of bullying in school because of my weight. Uh, so depression was, uh, was so bad. I remember my junior and senior of high school, depression was so bad that, uh, that I, I considered taking my own life. Uh, I remember one night in my room, I had loaded up a shotgun that I used to duck hunt with my with my father and my cousins and uh i was going to use that to take my own life uh, and at this point in my life i hadn't prayed in years i hadn't you know gone to confession in years i haven't you know received a blessing from a priest in years but in that moment i reached out to god uh, it was a very angry prayer it was uh a lack of trust in God, a lack of love, or I say lack, but it was, you know, it was just, it was nothing there. There was nothing between me and God anymore. And I just felt like I was so far away from him that he didn't love me because I recognized that I was, it was my fault because I stopped wanting to grow my relationship with him, but I felt like he was letting me down as well. Uh, so I cursed God and I, I hated God in that moment. Um, but something was telling me, you know, just, just give it a day, give, give it a couple of days or whatever. So I picked up the gun. I still let, let the gun loaded and everything. Uh, and then I picked up the gun and I went to school the next day, you know, just trying to look for that sign, trying to look for that, that, you know, hand of God just to, to reach out and help me. Uh, but I didn't see it. You know, I went to school and uh, realized I was failing some classes. So, you know, the football coach was kind of, you know, getting on me and, and telling me I need to shape up and stuff. And uh, just all these things were happening throughout my day that I just felt like, okay, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care about me. Uh, so I was ready to just get, go home and just, you know, end it, end everything. Uh, and I just, I had to get through football practice. That was the only thing I had left to do for the day. And I remember I was uh, taping up my wrist and putting like, my knee braces on for football and, uh, thinking, actively thinking, you know, as soon as I get home, I'm going to do it. You know, I, I just I can't take this anymore. I can't take this pain anymore. Uh, and I was ready to take my life. Uh, but as I'm thinking that someone walks into the trainer's room, uh, a girl, and, you know, she kind of, she, she sees me and, and automatically, like, there was a, a physical, physical attraction to that. Uh, cause I was, you know, a high school teenager. So like any pretty girl walks by, like it just caught my eye. And then there was, there was something more, there was like a spiritual, uh, connection there. And, you know, she you know, came up to me and we started talking and all these things. And I liked that. And, you know, I, it, it drew me out of that little, that little pit that I just kept myself in. And, uh, you know, long story short, like, that relationship turned into something greater. And I didn't, when I got home that night, I took the shotgun shell out. You know, I, I picked up that gun and I, I just put that gun in the closet and didn't want to look at it anymore. Uh, it was it was something small, but small in, in my eyes, but, you know, in my heart, I realized, you know, all this pain was, you know, able to leave. I had, it was able to come out. Uh, and I cried so much that night because I realized that, I was almost going to take my life, but that's not what God wanted. That's not what God intended for me. 
not what he wanted my life to end like. Um, so, you know, she, her and her family invited me to go to churches, to church with them on Sundays and cut off Louisiana at Sacred Heart. And, you know, just from then, um, going back to mass, uh, receiving the sacraments more frequently, um, I just, I grew in the love of God and I grew in his, in his grace and in his mercy that I was able to start seeing priesthood and priesthood became a real thought for me at a very age after at a very early time after my conversion. Uh, I remember the first mass that, uh, I went back, uh, after it was like the week or week after, uh, I went to commit suicide. Uh, it was our vocation director, uh, father John David Mathern. And he was celebrating mass, a phenomenal priest. And at the elevation of the Eucharist, I saw myself there where he was. Wow. And Mm -hmm. in the back of my head, it freaked me out because never grew up thinking, oh, I could be a priest. Like that's a possibility. It was never a thought until that moment. And I saw myself there and, and God allowed me to see that, to see like, that that is a possibility for my life. And it scared the crap out of me. Because <laughs> uh, I'm thinking, because obviously, like, these stories always go, I started dating the girl, and, you know, we fell in love and all these things. But it scared me. I was like, oh, like, God, you just sent this woman to my life. But now you're going to show me that that's where you want me? Like, it didn't make sense. Right. So I, I kind of I suppressed it. I pushed it away. I was like, okay, that's... That's just, I ate something bad last night and I've been fasting too long for communion. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but over time, it seemed like at every time I went to mass, because I was just doing Sunday masses at, at that time. Every time I went to mass at the elevation of Eucharist, I would see myself there, you know, and I would, you know, try to keep my eyes closed and, and not look at it. <laughs> you know, something always drew me to look at it. And I, I could always just picture myself there elevating Eucharist myself, God willing. Um, so that brought me into college. And then in college, I was able to experience uh, Focus um, and then Varsity Catholic, which is a branch of Focus. Uh, and they truly helped me to develop a prayer life and not just, I go to mass on Sundays and I go to confession once a week because I was struggling with habitual sins and all these things. It was something deeper than that. It was a actual relationship with Jesus because Jesus was a real person. He was fully human. And like he, our relationship relies on that reality. And they just, they just took me in. I remember it was like maybe the first or second week I was there. Uh, we have a Catholic student center, St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic student center at Nickel state university where I, oh, I was playing football. And, uh, I remember it was like the first or second week, and one of the missionaries came up to me. I had no idea who this guy was. Uh, his name's Garrett Land. He was a first-year semina- uh, seminarian, first-year missionary uh, from Tennessee for Focus and Varsity Catholic. And um, he just came up and just, he's like, what's up, man? I'm like, what's up with you? Like, <laughs> you? And, uh, and unknowingly to me, he would become my best friend. And, you know, he just, he, he was able to mentor me. And just able to listen to me. And I never had that in my life. Um, I, I don't have brothers. I have two older sisters. 
uh, who, which we fought all the time when we were growing up. It was more like sparring partners than sisters. <laughs> uh, but I was able to have my first brother. And like, it, it was such a beautiful relationship and was able to grow so close together. Um, he was just able to help me and invite me into my first Bible study, which was absolutely amazing. Um, it was one of the focused Bible studies. I think it was called the crux. It's like very basic Catholicism. And I was like, oh, wow. Okay. What do I have to do? Like, I want to give everything to this. Mm. Um, and, you know, he just mentored me and he loved me as a, a brother in Christ. And, um, and, you know, it led me, I was playing football at the time, which um, football was fun. Like football was, I still was struggling with keeping that as my identity because I wanted to keep it as my identity, but I knew God was calling me out of that. Um, and I knew that from a very early point of my college career. And, you know, I had to, you know, make some tough decisions and, you know, disappoint some people, especially, I think my father was very disappointed whenever mm. I told him, you know, I, I think I'm going to quit football. I think I'm not coming back next season. And, you know, it was, it was a tough conversation, you know, cause sure. he, he was able to see me grow through high school and see like from my sophomore year of high school, getting these colleges attention and getting my first scholarship offer. And like, he, it was, you know, sometimes I think back, it's like, he was a little bit more proud than I was, you know, he more proud of me than I was of myself. Um, but yeah, so through football, I was able to recognize through the help of varsity Catholic of how my using my ability to be a great athlete, to be on a team with guys who, you know, some of them may never have even heard of, of Jesus. And like, that was a reality on the team. And, you know, just being able to minister to them in the small ways, like a little, uh, we're about to go out for practice and like just small little conversations or like on the field for practice, we're getting water. And I remember one of the guys had asked me like, so what are you doing weekends? I was like, I go to church <laughs> pretty much <laughs> That's all I do now, but, uh, and able to just to see like, you know, the light bulbs go off on top of their head. Like, and like, they saw how happy I was and they know, like I stopped partying. I stopped drinking like a mule, And I, I just, I was doing all these things differently, but yet I was still just as uh, getting ready for daily mass. And, uh, I kind of wouldn't hear anything in prayer anymore. Um, I was somewhat in desolation and I was in the chapel praying for mass and I wouldn't hear anything. So I went into the, to the church to prepare my heart for mass. And I just kind of did Bible roulette. Um, and I opened up to road to Emmaus, uh, which I knew that story, you know, from a generic point of view, point of view. Uh, but I read it again and I was like, Lord, like how, what does, what does this mean? Like, recognize you in the breaking of the bread like you know like i understand the eucharist and all these things but god just closed the bible in frustration because I, I wanted god to speak to me again so mm. the bible down and then mass started uh and then you know mass goes through and you know in the eucharist like, like every mass that for the last two and a half years i i saw the same thing but it, it was different you know it it was it wasn't me seeing myself up there. It was more of you know, seeing Jesus there right. and truly recognizing him, you know, in a very profound way that, uh, that the priesthood actually, 
you know, it's, it's something, it's something like tangible for me. Uh, and I, I felt God, you know, telling me, I want you closer. I want you closer. So at first I kind of thought, oh, maybe he wants me to altar serve. Okay. I'll start altar serve. <laughs> so you find a cassock and a surplus big enough for me, but, <laughs> but God was speaking deeper and he, he was speaking more profound. Um, and he wanted, I think, uh, he wants me to lay down my life for him and through the, uh, the ministry of the priesthood. Uh, so I started the, right after that mass, I went to speak to, uh, uh, Father Seymour, who is our, uh, director of seminarians, kind of like a vocational director, but more, he deals with the guys already in seminary. He doesn't really do much outside of that. But uh, I went to speak to him, and uh, I was like, "All right, Father. Uh, so, what does the seminary look like? you know?" Ready <laughs> just to make a plunge. <laughs> just, just trying to ease my way in, dip my toe in the water. But he was like, "Oh, okay. Let's have this conversation." Uh, and just had a beautiful conversation. And I think back to it, and it's like, "Oh man, I don't remember what I asked him. I don't." Like, <laughs> I don't remember why I like went up to him and asked, asking these things, but looking back now, it's, Oh, I opened my heart to the Holy spirit for, you know, just the gift of the Holy spirit to give me the wisdom, give me, you know, the opportunity to ask the questions that were necessary to get me here to just to follow, stay on the path that God has laid out for me. Um, so, <coughs> excuse me, but, um, yeah, so we had a great conversation. He you know, told me about what the application looks like. And it kind of scared me. I was like, oh, it's a lot of paperwork. You know, <laughs> like, I don't like paperwork, Father. <laughs> but uh, so the, a couple of days later, I texted uh, my spiritual director, Father Patrick Riviere, uh, who's a priest for the Diocese of Homo Thibodeau as well. Um, and, you know, just kind of talked to him about it and, you know, just opening it up to him and see what he thought. And, you know, he kind of was like, yeah, okay, I I can, I can see that. Like that's, that's, that's tangible, you know? Um, so then, you know, I got in contact with a vocation director, John David Mathern started, started the application process. Uh, I remember like almost every day, it seemed like I was calling my friend Ryan Thibodeau, who is a, um, he's a senior this year, uh, third year senior. And uh, just asked him, was like, okay, you're going to tell me like, is it fun? Like, <laughs> is it boring like is it just like a bunch of you know preppy catholic guys like because i don't like i don't know i just want to be comfortably there he's like yeah. you're gonna get here and it's like nothing you ever expected oh, and that's cool he, he was right and i got here even through the midst of covid uh wow pretty COVID, good covid put a huge huge i guess weight on my shoulders because there was such a long period of time during my uh, application process that I couldn't do anything. I did all my paperwork. I got that done pretty quick. And then I just had to wait for my psyche valve. But that's when we were on hard lockdown uh -huh. and they were not seeing patients and it couldn't be like a telehealth type thing to do it on the phone. So um, I had to wait and, you know, Satan just, he went to work, you know, <laughs> for lack of better words. Um, and, you know, he just, he worked on me. He, he just brought up a lot of the things that I thought I was over, but, uh, you know, I still had wounds. I still had these scars that he, he just continued to poke at and poke at. Mm. Uh, 
And one of those, I say scars, but I, th I think it's a beautiful scar, is that I longed for a relationship. I longed for love. I longed, longed for unity with somebody or something. And um, he presented a beautiful woman, another woman. And it's like, I, I at first I'm like, oh, like, no, priesthood, can't do it. <laughs> But then as, you know, time goes on, I realize like, wait, hold up, hold up a second. Now I had to kind of question is like, okay, is this, you know, from God? Is this, you know, from the enemy trying to distract me from God's will for me? Uh, I still don't know that answer. Uh, I won't know until, you know, I get to talk to him face to face. But, um, but you know, I kind of realized through prayer that God was allowing this to happen mm -hmm. uh, because I needed to see what I was having to give up. Right. You know, mm -hmm. Never truly had a good relationship, pure and, and, uh, centered around Christ. And like, this was like the first woman, like an actual, like deep, intimate, like emotional relationship that, you know, I could, I could see that going there. Um, and God had to, you know, let me experience that. He had to, you know, let me experience the pain and the heartache, which mm. it's a beautiful heartache to experience. And I realized mm. that, uh, and you know, I, I'm not friends with her at all anymore. Like we were friends, but I realized that, you know, for the sake of my discernment, I have to, sure. let, I have to, you know, focus on God and focus on the church and me discern her and allow her to discern me as well. Uh, so I had to, you know, break that relationship off. And like I said, a beautiful heartache, you know, mm -hmm. allowing that pain and that heartache to form my heart more into that of Christ. Uh, and yeah, so after that, you know, I was finally over, I think it was in July, uh, I was able to do my psyche vow. And then August 8th, uh, and then living at the seminary, like I said, we can't really leave uh, very much, but uh, yeah. So here you I are. That's my story. It's <laughs> longer and longer every time I tell it. That's great. That's good. Thank you. Yeah. I was going to ask, you described, you, you described a very low point in high school. Yeah. Um, do you have any suggestions for others who might find themselves at a low point in, in their lives? Uh, I think, because like not everybody has the same experience. Not everybody's going to have this right. big version uh, like I was you know, grateful to have. But um I guess I would say if you are in a low point in your life and you know things like suicide and depression really are, you know, taking over uh, your daily life, uh, turning to the rosary. I, I think that is such a weapon. And, you know, for the longest time, I always heard, you know, the rosary is a weapon, rosary is a weapon, you know, just carry it with you, carry, carry it in your pocket like a, you know, like a sword, a knight carries his sword, you know, but, you know, if a knight's getting attacked and he's not using his sword, what good is that sword doing? You know? Mm, yeah. True. Actively praying the rosary. Um, so, I mean, if anybody's listening to this and is suffering from depression and is looking for something, just, I invite you to just pray the rosary for the, throughout the rest of Lent, at least. And just, especially the glorious mystery of the sin of the Holy spirit and axing for the wisdom to overcome this, um, this, you know, this evil that, you know, this is not from God and recognizing that this is not from God. 
God doesn't want us to feel that way. God wants to love us and embrace us, but we have to, you know, take the step towards him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I love the, uh, the picture in the ceiling assisting chapel of, you know, God reaching out so much that you could see the veins in his arms and then man just, you know, kind of just limped armed uh, reaches back. Um, right. So I would say, you know, turn to the rosary. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just turn to the rosary and just trust our blessed mother to uh, you know, wrap her mantle of love and protection around around you and, you know, just trust her where she takes you. Cool. Hey, I had a qu- I have a question, Chad. Something yeah. uh, that I read in the article that I was really interested is when you t- discuss the mission that you took, um, and you got an opportunity to travel uh, to a foreign country. I believe you said you had gone to the Caribbean. Uh, was it Trinidad and Tobago? Yeah, Trinidad and, and also Mexico. I was curious to know, yeah, in what kind of experiences, because it, it, I recall you kind of getting a deeper appreciation for the God's role for priests. What, what, do you have anything you can share about those kind of trips and how that might have opened your eyes in a different way? Yeah, um, so a big part of the trip was um, serving the poor. Uh, and in doing that, we were serving Christ ourselves. Uh, so I remember in Trinidad and Tobago, there was a very profound moment where we were in a nursing home, uh, and this woman was, you know, very old and and weak, and uh, just she couldn't really move anymore. So she had to be fed, uh, and they were eating like little, like little bread cakes or something like that. So where it's easy for them to digest. And uh, I remember sitting there. And she was, you know, kind of scared because she was around new people. Like she didn't know us, but she was very scared. So I remember holding her hands and just uh, one of my friends who was on the mission with us was feeding her and just holding her hands and like just, you know, just praying with her and recognizing that like, like in Matthew's gospel, like, when did you see me hungry and give me food? Mm -hmm. When did you, you know, when did we minister to the poor? When did we minister to the least brethren of mine? Uh, and I think in that moment was a very profound realization that Christ truly is in the poor. You know, he, he truly stays there. He dwells there because that's where he wants us to go. And we are supposed to go towards him. So I think ministering to the, to the poor and, uh, and those less fortunate, uh, especially in that woman who I was able to hold her hands and just pray pray with her and pray for her uh, and just see her, her, her breath slow down and, and become calm. Mm-hmm. And then when we walked away, she wanted to reach out her hands and like, didn't want us to leave. So we sat there for, Oh, hours. wow. And we oh. just sat there like she couldn't speak, but we spoke to each other, like through, through our hearts, we were able to speak to each other. And it, it was such a beautiful experience. Wow. Yes. Awesome. Serving Christ to the poor. That was and experience him truly in the poor, you know, that, that was a, that was a, that was an amazing grace to, uh, to receive. Oh yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. And you talked earlier about focus and I've heard great things about focus, but I've never heard about varsity Catholic or fraternus. So we wanted oh, to at yeah. least ask you about both of those groups. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Focus is, you know, the, uh, oh, I forgot 
just forgot the name of it. Um, oh, the acronym. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I was trying to. But, fellowship uh, of Catholic fellowship University, of Catholic University students? students. Yeah, yes, right. There it is. There it is. Thank you. Uh, but yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's fellowship with Catholic University students, and like I mentioned earlier, with uh, my good friend Garrett Land, they just they make it make the opportunity to grow in fellowship with Christ mm. in a very deep and profound, intimate way a reality in the busyness of college schedules. You know. Okay offering, you know, Bible studies throughout the day. Uh, I think at Nichols, they have something a little over a hundred student-led Bible studies. Because oh, wow. They help a focus. Um, and then the branch of that uh, varsity Catholic, uh, it's more centered around athletes and it's kind of more of a, is a similar thing, but focused with the athletes. And I find it's more of a mentor mentee type thing. Uh, so like Garrett was, he was a, he played soccer in college. Uh, and he knew the struggles of, you know, the strict schedule and trying to keep his faith. Uh, and he, he had his conversion in college due to focus who was on his. Oh. Um, so it's more of a mentee mentor uh, type relationship. Very, you know, more one-on-one because there's not as many athletes as there is regular students, but uh, yeah, they, they just show us and help us to understand that, you know, we don't have to live the basic jock lifestyle. We mm-hmm. don't, you know, live out the party scene and the drinking scene and, you know, the uh, in virtuous relationship scene that we can glorify God with this gift that we have from him. Mm-hmm. It's like, it wasn't necessarily my parents' idea to make me six foot four and 300 pounds, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure my mom did that, but, uh, you know, like just, being able to recognize that like the ability that we do have as athletes, as collegiate athletes playing at this next level, that we are supposed to glorify God in that. And we are supposed to still, you know, the message of Christ in that and not to just say, Oh, this is my own selfish desire. I'm looking for affirmation for me. It's like, no, we're doing this for Christ. We're, we're living our lives for Christ. And it just gives us the opportunity to actually do that uh, and help. And they truly do help us with that. What a great group within the focus. Yeah, it, it's awesome. It's truly amazing. Truly amazing. And they're the ones that uh, helped put together the two mission trips that I went on. To oh, okay. To City. Yeah. Okay. That's great. And then Fraternus, what is that? I've never heard of that either. Yeah. So Fraternus, um, so like I said um, earlier, I don't know if we got her on recording or not, but uh, the girl who I met in high school, yeah, was a big part of my conversion, her father uh, kind of started up this young men's group. Um, and it's, it's more of a, how do I describe it? Hard to find words to describe it because it's such an amazing program that it, it takes young men from the parish, from the diocese, from the local towns, and they're starting to pop up in more places, which is absolutely amazing. But it, it teaches us the virtues and the virtues of manhood. Uh, because I am a firm believer that our church will not grow unless we embrace our call to manhood, either as priests or as our husbands and fathers. Uh, I think mm-hmm. does an amazing job with that of, uh, of making and showing true manhood, not what society wants us to think manhood is as, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bold and, and, you know, hide your feelings and you're right. You're, you're the quote unquote man, you know, 
but doing that emotion is an important thing of being a man. If you cannot, yeah, control your emotions, but also don't suppress them. Like those are two different things. And I, that, that's a big thing that I took away from fraternity because I was a part of it mm. uh, for, for a year, year and a half, two years. But uh, yeah, it's just this group of, you know, fathers from the Diocese of Homo Thibodeau who got together and said, our youth needs something. The, the men in our society need something to show them that they need to embrace manhood. But first, they need to know what manhood is. And right. like I said, the girls... Um, father is his name's uh, Mitch Petrie uh amazing man amazing man and you know he he saw the need and and he you know he, he gave in he stepped up stepped up to the plate you know and it's it's amazing to see because let's see in the last handful of years or I guess around six seven years they've had three vocations come out of that oh wow uh, wow me, myself, uh, Ryan Thibodeau, who is a seminarian for Homo Thibodeau Diocese, and also James Rome, who is a, um, he's going to be ordained a deacon in, uh, in June or, or May. That's but, awesome. Uh, yeah, like, it's, it's promoting vocations to priesthood and religious life. They also have the female version. They call it Fidelis. Oh, so okay. They have, you know, mothers in the parish who, you know, need to, you know, explain to young women that, like, you know, things about like sexuality that like you, your body truly is a temple and that we need to respect those things. Um, but that's the general, I wasn't sitting in those classes. I was with the right. men. Yeah. <laughs> but, but it's good to know there's a, a female branch of this. Right. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Because, because if it's just men growing, then, you know, we only, get, we only solve half the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. True. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Chad, as a former football player and current seminarian, are there any similarities with the discipline to stay physically fit and maintaining a disciplined spiritual life? Uh, yeah, there is a similarity. Uh, I think with staying physically fit, uh, health and wellness is like a very big thing here. Uh, requ- required to work out uh, four hours a week and it, it has to be a legit workout. It can't just be, Oh, I'm going to walk in the woods. That doesn't count. Yeah. Huh. They take, they take our, uh, our health and wellness very seriously here. Um, which is a good thing because when I quit football, I stopped working out. I stopped running. I got really out of shape, became a little plump and well, a big plump, but, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they take that very seriously here because yeah our church doesn't need a priest for 10 to 15 years mm-hmm. and you fall over and die because you weren't keeping yourself healthy. You weren't you know, eating the right things and, and just destroying your body. Like we, we want priests for as long as we can have them on earth. So we mm-hmm. can bring the sacraments to people and, and in Christ to the, to the people of God, to the people of the church. So that is a, a big uh, similarity that it's, it's very serious and rigorous here. Oh, wow. And on the schedule, um, was there a question about the schedule? Well, we were curious too if you get to play sports, but I'm sure that's baked into your schedule, right? As far as y'all yeah. have to, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, our schedule is very strict, and it's it's very laid out for us. Uh, practicing obedience of uh, <laughs> schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yeah, like uh, a daily schedule for me is wake up 5.45, kind of just sit in my room, sit in silence, allow myself to wake up, um, pray office of readings, and then go down, eat breakfast with some guys, um, then go to morning prayer. So we pray the uh, liturgy of the hours as a community. We do morning prayer and evening prayer as a community. Um, so we do morning prayer and then mass at, uh, at eight. And then our day starts with classes. Uh, and we have classes from uh, 9.15 all the way till 12 o'clock. And we have lunch. And then classes in the afternoon till four o'clock. And then from four to 6.15, we have that little break to either do schoolwork, pray our holy hours if we haven't done that yet. Excuse me. And usually we'll have a sport going on. Like today we had uh, tennis going on at four. We had ultimate Frisbee going on at four. Oh, that's cool. Basketball going on in the gym. We had spike ball in the courtyard. Like, wow. (laughs) Sports all over the place. Um, And, you know, it's, it's so beautiful because like I was talking earlier when I called Ryan, it was like, you know, is this place normal? You know, it's, <laughs> it's like, you know, this strict Catholics there and all you do is pray and sit in silence. He was like, you're going to be shocked. And I was, you know, because like the first week here, we played flag football. We played sand volleyball, uh, ultimate Frisbee and all these things. And I'm like, I feel like I'm still at Nichols, you know? <laughs> yeah. All I do is just pray, pray a lot more, you know, for community. But yeah, we definitely do play sports here. It's it's a given. Sounds like the spiritual Olympics for sure. My goodness. <laughs> wow. Yeah. yeah. So so you're you're in the seminary and you're getting used to the schedule. Um, you want to share a couple of your like a deep spiritual experience or something that's really just brought your spiritual growth out? Uh, yeah. Uh, so when I moved in uh, on August eighth of twenty twenty. I prayer was good before that, but a day I moved in, desolation hit me right away. Hmm. Uh, and my entire first semester, I was in desolation. Uh, I didn't hear God calling me to priesthood anymore. I, I kind of stopped seeing that, that uh, grace in mass. Um, and it, w- it was tough. And I was like, you know, God, like you got me all the way here. And now you just you're giving me the silent treatment. I don't know what to, to make of it, mm-hmm. but, um, but I, me and my friend Ryan, we pray a rosary every night at nine o'clock and then we do our night prayer together. And um, we always do kind of like a litany of saints, like, you know, what saints come to our mind and what saints come to our heart at the end of our rosary. And one that always comes up is Mother Teresa. Hmm. Uh, and, you know, doing a little bit of, you know, reading on her and just talking to other guys, um, their, you know, knowledge of her and realizing she was in desolation for most of her ministry. Mm-hmm. She didn't hear God, but she took what she heard in consolation years before and lived it out through desolation. Uh, and that was a beautiful, you know, thing to hear because I thought, you know, God was just ignoring me, but actually he's allowing me to grow. Like not on my own strength, he's still there. A lot of people think desolation is God uh, leaving our side, but he's, he's pulling us closer. Mm. Like he truly is calling us closer to him, but we have to take that as an invitation to come close to make our way closer to him. Uh, so that was, you know, a beautiful uh, experience that even through desolation, I was, I was still, I still had joy. I still, you know, felt happy, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, happiness is a, you know, 
can we truly be happy? Can we truly experience happiness outside of heaven? But uh, yeah, I was able to find joy in, you know, uh, St. Mother Teresa. Oh, great. That's a great, great sharing. I think uh, we may have lost Jeff again, but we'll. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of dropping in and out, but yeah. uh, I'm glad that uh, uh, I can kind of catch different parts of it. Um, I, uh, well, let's see. Um, I have a teenager who's involved in sports also, and he happens to be a football player. And uh, he's kind of going through some things uh, very similar to your story, Chad. Um, I guess just kind of wrapping up the show and I know Randy asked maybe a little bit similar question, but, um, with, with all the, the influences in sports today, especially at the high school level, the college level, uh, where kids are kind of put on a pedestal before they're even mature to become, you know, whatever God has, uh, whatever kind of athlete, um, and uh, it's, it's kind of the, you know, it's, how, how best can a, a young person, a, a, both male and female, um, would, would you say, how could they best prepare themselves to kind of counteract the pull by the, the evil side? Uh, is it mentorship? Is it uh, I mean, it sounded like a lot of yours was uh, like in a solitary. I mean, you had to kind of come to grips with uh, opening up prayer. Um, what what would you say would be some good parting advice to all the young athletes, both Catholic and non-Catholic, uh, if you were to kind of put it in a nutshell? Uh, yeah, I guess it's different for everybody um, and kind of got to, you know, try different things out and see what, what fits best with you. But I think a great way to do that is to find community, you know, find people who are like-minded um, people who, you know, share a similar goal where, whether that is um, the big goal, obviously heaven uh, to glorify God um, or if it's, you know, just growing in virtues, you know, find people who exemplify those virtues and, you know, surround yourself with those, with those kind of people, because it will rub off on you and you will start to desire those things as well. Uh, because our, our hearts long for God and God is, you know, the epitome of the virtues. So, you know, if, you know, if you're struggling with, you know, alcohol, like, you know, don't hang around people who are always drinking. If you're struggling with lust, if you're a guy, stay away from women, you know, like take, I know a huge thing for me that helped me with my prayer and my growing was a dating fast. You know, just going a year without, you know, entertaining the thought of dating. Mm. Uh, and it brings a lot, it allows for a lot of growth. And, but I think the big thing is, uh, you know, surrounding, your, surrounding yourself with people who have a similar goal. Uh, wherever that may be, heaven or, you know, just better standing with yourself and, you know, humility, things like that. Yeah. Great. All right. That's great. Thank you very much. Yeah. yeah. 
Do we have a, a little bit more time, Jeff? Or are we? Uh, we're kind of. I'm kind of since my clock started and stopped. I would venture to say we're about at about an hour, close to an hour show right now. Okay. Do we have so, time for one more? Or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and okay. do that. So yeah, uh, Chad, you talked about happiness earlier, and I just was really wanted to ask you this question about. Um, is happiness losing yourself to serve others through Christ? And you talked about serving the poor. I think we're all trying to be happy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, short answer, yes. <laughs> obviously, obviously, you know, yeah. So short answer, yes. <laughs> like that is the calling to, you know, serve others through Christ, whether that is the poor or whether that is, you know, just a very basic day-to-day uh, -day serving someone. Uh, like in your family, it's, it's, it can be as simple as that, but recognizing that everybody is made in the image and likeness of God. And by serving anybody, uh, you are serving Christ in that, but uh, in a special way, the poor, like, like you had brought up. Um, I know when I went to Mexico, my other mission trip, uh, people literally live in a landfill and they pay there. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, people say, oh, I, I have compassion for them. You know, I, I feel for them. But, you know, to have true compassion is to enter into that person's suffering as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, one with their suffering and, and with, with that person. So whenever I went to Mexico, we were able to work in the dump with these people. That's what they call the dump. Wow. Yeah. You know, help these people because they would gather uh, cans and bottles and glass and things like that, sell it, and then pretty much everything they made, they give to the person who owns the landfill so that they have a safe place to sleep, uh, which is, you know, it's mm. money. Because we don't experience that kind of poverty here. You know, we, we have that here. And it, it was such an eye-opener. To, to see that and realizing when I get off the bus, at, you know, at first I was a little like, oh my, wow, like we must be at a different spot. Like we must have to walk somewhere to get to their houses or something. But no, they, they make homes in the garbage. Uh, and I had to realize that, you know, if I'm truly going to love these people and like try and bring happiness to other people and as well receive happiness for myself or joy rather, uh, I have to enter into this with these people. I have to have true compassion. Uh, so that's what we did. We got on our hands and our knees and we worked with these, with these men and women uh, and children that, you know, children three years old, you know, collecting bottles. Uh, it, it was, it was, it was a sight to see, man. And, you know, just having compassion for these people, loving these people for where they're at and loving them, knowing that we are loving Christ uh, and them seeing us have compassion for them, they didn't need to know that we were, you know, mis like missionaries, Catholics on mm -hmm. helping them. Like, I think they just saw Christ. Hmm. It was beautiful. We got to do a Eucharistic procession through there and people would just fall to their knees and just, and just prostrate in the garbage in front of our blessed sacrament and yeah. kiss the monstrance. It, it was such a beautiful sight to see. And, um, and yeah, so like just having compassion for the poor, for the needy, those who need to be served. Um, cause we have to be served in some ways too. Like 
we, we can't do this on our own. This life is too hard to do on our own, but trusting in our brothers and sisters in Christ and trusting in the grace of God through the work of the Holy Spirit, you know, we can find what, what we can consider happiness, you know, or fulfillment or joy. Um, Cause yeah. Yeah. Like I said, ha- is, is it, is it true to say uh, I'm a happy man, even though I'm not in heaven where that's where happiness lies you know, and mm-hmm. through the questions uh, before this, and I was kind of like, oh, how do I answer that? <laughs> is, is there happiness outside of heaven? Like, is what we experience as happiness truly happiness? But um, yeah, I think for the most part, like, just, yeah, having compassion for people and like, God fulfills that in us. He, I don't want to say repays us, but, you know, he bestows on us that grace and that love and and, uh, and that mercy. Yeah. Awesome story. Thank you. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. All right. Um, hey, uh, I know Randy will probably lead us in a closing prayer. And I just want to sh- say something and just, we are truly blessed as the, the Catholic Sportsman Podcast Show to have you here. You've been extremely um, just uh, motivating, um, you and you're talking about your story, your conversion story. I, I, we, you know, I see the Holy Spirit has so moved you, and just wanted to thank you. And 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 we are blessed that you're speaking to our audience. And uh, just wanted to share those things before uh, Randy, Paul. Did you have anything else to kind of let him know before we end the show today? Yeah, no, no. Echo your thoughts. Yeah, thank you. It's been a pleasure to be with you all yeah. tonight. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, we, you know, we will pray for you for yes. your journey oh, specifically. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and you talk about community. Randy and Paul and I all came, came from a community of young adults ourselves. So hearing about how you have a passion of reaching the, the, the young adults. And our community is still thriving to this day as older adults. Yes. So uh, <laughs> we will definitely uh, share your story with them. And they, the, the outreach of people that will be praying for you, I know, is, is uh, God's grace. So uh, we will be with you. Oh, thank you all so much. I, I really do appreciate this. Uh, this is a great opportunity for me to share my story. And you know, all the other stories I've shared through other podcasts and Truth Pop podcasts and National Catholic Register, you know, the amount of emails that I received, you know, it's people asking me questions and just saying like, oh my God, I'm praying for you. It's, I, I feel that, you know, yeah. I yeah. feel that. I feel the prayers that are being prayed for me now because uh, people like you just give me the opportunity to, you know, share my struggles, but also, you know, see that, you know, through the suffering and the passion that we go through in our lives, we are able to experience resurrection. Uh, so thank you all so much for allowing me to, uh, to do this. This is, this is amazing. Thank Great. you. Cool. Yeah. Randy? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, Spirit. Amen. 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 Lord, we thank you for Chad. We thank you for his witness that he brought forward today. We pray for his discernment of his vocation um we pray for him in the seminary and his um 
as he goes through his very regimented days, as he draws closer to you, we pray for all the people listening in the podcast land. We pray that this podcast can draw them closer to you and reinvigorate their commitment to their vocation. And as always, we ask for the intercession of Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mary, Mother Mother of God, God, pray for us sinners, sinners, now and at the hour of our our death. death. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. All right, guys. Thank you so much, Chad. Thank you, Chad. It's been great. Yeah, absolutely. Right. All right. God bless. We'll be in touch. All right. Thank you all so much. Thank you. Bye. See you soon. Bye. God bless. Bye. Thank you. All righty.